quick message, guys. But it might be a heavy message. So it kind of gives me pause. This is one of those things where uh, when you preach, when anyone's preaching here, it says actually literally on this stand up here, it says, show them Jesus. So that's a reminder to any single person who's going to ever be speaking here. That's what your job is, okay? So it's not about getting up here and ranting about anything. It's also not about coming up here and talking, like me talking to all of you, like, hey, guys, you need to get your act together, as if I do have my act together, you see? And sometimes the message is more that than not, meaning I'm totally preaching to myself with this message today, okay, guys? So it's heavy and it's hard, but I'm talking to myself. Don't hear me going, I got this all worked out. You guys need, you know. We all probably need to get our act together. <laughs> but this is a hard message, and it came to me. I was praying last week, okay? And then we had, I've been talking about, we have these house churches that meet. And last spring and this fall, we're having to meet via Zoom. I don't like it, but it's okay. And I encourage you all need to be a part of it, to be a part of this church in a more meaningful way. These house churches are very important, and they're going to be increasingly important. And we started ours in the spring, the one that we, my wife and I are part of, and we decided, yeah, we'll keep going through the summer, even though we're technically starting again in September. So if you want to join one, go to our website and sign up, and we'll get you into a group. It's important. But my group last week was discussing a Bible verse, which is the one we're going to go through today. It's Luke 23, 32 through 43. And I was praying about what preaching this week, which that's, that's some advanced stuff. I was like a week and a half ahead, which is not normal for me. So, <laughs> so, but during that time, everything we were saying about our talk about that scripture, I, oh my gosh, this is the message, you know, so I just wrote down notes. So really anything good that you got, that you get from this came from my house church group, and I credit all of the people in that group for all of the good stuff that I'm about to say. Anything bad is probably of my own doing. So, but what, what the message I decided to call today is faith in what? Um, or a title that I, you know, kind of think more gets to it is telling God what to do. Because I think that so many of us, if we're honest, when we start to evaluate, like, as a Christian person, we're like, yeah, I put my faith in Jesus. But if you want to be honest, it's like, to what extent? And what I think that the alternative version of that is, we like, is telling God what to do. You follow, you follow what I'm saying there? Like, we like to put partial faith in God, and then tell him the rest. I, I ran into uh, a quote uh, by Tim Keller this week where he said, we don't want a king. We want a consultant in the person of Jesus to advise us as we order our lives. I'll read that again. We don't want a king. We want a consultant in the person of Jesus to advise us as we order our lives. The problem is Jesus is a king, and that's the only choice we get. So I was going to talk about our faith. What about having our faith in Jesus and discussing what faith even is? And another tie-in, this week we've been doing a weekly email, or sorry, a daily email with prayers and scripture readings, and this whole week is going to be about faith. So there's going to be lots of scripture to dive into to kind of further this idea. But obviously the first scripture about faith that comes to mind is Hebrews 11, 1. Where it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's the substance, the material of things that we hope for, and the evidence of things we can't see. Now that's confounding, okay? 
that doesn't quite add up in our kind of post-enlightenment type, you know, evidence-based thinking. Though it is absolutely uh, co cohesive with that, it tends to challenge our brains. I would argue that the kind of when Jesus talks about bringing peace that passes understanding, this is kind of the, the this kind of faith is where we get that, you know. But I heard some people talking, some other pastors, about beliefs or faith. You say, I'm gonna b I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. And like, what do we actually mean by any of that? And they said something that I was like, I've never heard anyone say that, but I think this is absolutely true. And they discussed beliefs in three different categories. One is public beliefs. And they said public beliefs are the kind of things we tell people we believe. Like, I believe this. I believe, you know, in Jesus. Or I believe, you know, the kind of things you share on Facebook all the time um, or whatever. Uh, we tell other people these. The other one was private beliefs. Now listen to what they described that one as. Things we tell ourselves we believe. So there's things we'll tell other people we believe. Then there's things we don't tell other people we believe, but we tell ourselves we believe them. But then they had a third category called core beliefs. And this is they defined as what you actually believe. And that that usually gets revealed through stress or something like that. So I think that probably over the last eight months, all of us have been experiencing some level of stress. Okay? COVID has just done that to all of us. Whether you've been sick or not, our culture has been stressed. You know, Pastor Jeff is in a you know, situation in a hospital. He's stressed. You know, Kevin and Kayla are going through what they're going through. That's stressed. And in those times, you find out what you actually believe. So public beliefs what you tell other people believe whether it's true or not. Private belief is what you tell yourself you believe, but you're not willing to share it with other people because maybe you think it's weird or something. And a core belief is what you actually believe. Now, a healthy person, all three of those are the same thing, okay? Like if we're going to use this mechanism, Jesus had all three of these, but they were just all three the same, you see? And a healthy Christian, I think, would have the same sort of alignment, you know? And so what I want to talk to you today about is faith in Jesus. And I want to make the case that, like Jesus being a king, and we don't want a king, we want a consultant, but you don't get that choice, unfortunately. Even you might hear, okay, and, and, and I'm, there, there are Christian people that might say things that sound like that, okay? They're just mistaken. Um, and our culture tends to think of following Jesus or being a Christian as a thing like that. You know, I like this. I don't like that bit, so I just delete it or whatever. It doesn't really work like that. The king is the king, and he gets to do what he wants to do, and you get to be okay with that, you see? The good news to us is that Jesus is good. You know, he's not, you know, a bad guy. <laughs> but the faith in Jesus is total or nothing. This is what the point I'm trying to make today is. And the peace of God comes from that. The peace that passes understanding comes from us putting our total faith in Jesus, and this is it. It's that simple. It's so simple that anybody, no matter how old you are, you can do this, okay? And it doesn't mean you won't struggle with this. Like I said, I'm, am I preaching to myself? Yes. And so the story we're going to look at is Jesus when he's actually on the cross in Luke 23, 32 through 43. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go through it very quickly. So this is Jesus, God himself, being led out and hung on a cross on our behalf, or for our benefit, if you will. Starting in verse 32, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the, the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, 
one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. Now listen. Pay attention to what these people say to Jesus, okay? And the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Next people. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And the next person or category of people, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal, the last category of people, rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he says this to Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus finally answers them, or one of them. Truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. So here's what I want to show us today, is that if faith in Jesus is total or nothing, many of us find ourselves in one of those first three categories of conditional faith, not total faith like the last criminal, okay? I want to break that down. And it's challenging because following Jesus, Jesus is God. Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus is God coming to make us right with God, to end the power of sin and death. And the way he's doing this is confounding. He's dying on a cross, erasing the power of sin and death in our lives as we follow him. And symbolized in this baptism of being, you know, he, he died on the cross and was resurrected three days later, and we follow behind him in our baptism and our repentance. And this was confusing to people. But Jesus, so now you have somebody who's, supposed to be God, who's dying in front of you, and that's causing faith crisis for people. And Jesus says nobody takes his life from him. He willingly gives it. So all of these challenges these people have they put before him, Jesus could do anything he wants. He could he could end it all. He could do anything, okay? He's all-powerful. He is God. He chooses not to for the purpose of our salvation, for the joy set before him, which is us. This is God giving to us himself and people mocking him for that because he's showing meekness, which is power under control for the sake of good, not weakness, which is I can't stop this if I want to. But his meekness, which is power under control for the sake of good, is being misinterpreted as weakness, as in you can't do anything about this. And it's causing these sneers and faith crisis that these people are having. And Jesus is suffering. He is God experiencing great suffering. Most of his followers at this time have deserted him. You hear the story of Peter denying him and the other guys running away. Judas, is one of his dis disciples, literally betrays him. And then he's hanging there, experiencing death, and he encounters these three groups of people, four total. 
But three, that I think put conditional faith in Jesus. That if we're honest with ourselves, oftentimes our faith, at least in our core belief, as I said earlier, sometimes our private belief, sometimes our core belief, reflects more the rulers, the soldiers, or the first thief than it does the second. Okay, That's why I said this is a hard message. Now, our public beliefs, what we come here and sing in these songs, nobody might know. But if we're really honest, we might find ourselves more often in one of these other categories. So let's look at this. The rulers, these are the religious people that have actually been responsible for putting Jesus on this cross. They have thoughts of what the Messiah is supposed to be like. Jesus isn't doing exactly that. He's doing different things than they were expecting. Maybe not 100% different. I mean, you can read the Gospels, and if you haven't, you should. And if you have, you should do it again. You see there's a complicated relationship Jesus has with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and these other religious leaders. Sometimes he's like, guys, you're almost there. Sometimes he's like, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You know, he's just like, there's not a whole lot of, it's, it's, very, it's a complicated relationship. Sometimes they're like, you can look in Acts, and they're like, hey, these guys are doing all this amazing stuff. What do we do with these guys? And they're like, well, you know, it, it, they have to make decisions like this. And like, I guess leave it alone, because if it's God, it's going to work. And if it's not, it's not. I mean, it's not, um, it's not a simple monolithic group of people that all share the exact same thought. But Jesus was confounding them. Because he comes as God, as the Messiah they've been waiting on. See, the, Jew the Jewish people have been promised a, a savior, or a king, really, is the better way to say it. The Messiah, the chosen one, the ones they're saying. Jesus is saying he is that. Well, different groups of people had different thoughts of what he was supposed to do. The king will do this, the king will do that. Some of these things were right, some of these things were not. Jesus was challenging them. But Jesus, being God, was allowed to do that. What he was doing was not, he was coming and saying, this is what I was meaning the whole time, you see? But we tend to say to God things kind of like this, like conditional stuff, like, aren't you the Messiah? Or aren't you the chosen one? Or maybe something like this, I'll have faith in you if you do what my religious system says that you should do. Or, be more honest, I'll have faith in you if you do what I think you should do. Because what they're saying to Jesus is, hey, the way I see it is, if you're God, you would just stop all this. Jesus the whole time could. He chooses not to. And so we have to be honest with ourselves. When we talk to God, how often do we say things like that to him? If you really were God, you would do this. And all three of these, you can find kind of echoing. There's a time when Jesus, right when Jesus steps into, he gets baptized. John the Baptist, and he goes into the wilderness. And he's fasting and he's tempted by the devil three times specifically. And they always start with this, if you really are God, or if you really are the Messiah, why don't you do this thing I just said, you know? And then Jesus rebukes all three. You can go find that. The second category of people is the soldiers. These are the people with the power. Not necessarily religious, not necessarily, probably not religious, but they're the people that have the power. The people actually doing the thing, you know. And they kind of come in and say the same sort of thing. You could see it in um, verse 37. If you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. You know, they're hearing this stuff, you know. And I think that this is kind of similar to the first uh, conditional faith. It's like, you know. If you are king, prove it. It's kind of like, that's how I would summarize something like this. You know, 
we were discussing this in our group, and we were talking about that kind of thing. Prove to me on my terms that you're God. But again, you, you know, you kind of owe this to me if you want me to believe you. You know what I mean? And again, like I said, Jesus' relationship with the Pharisees and the religious powers was a little complicated. There's some good, there's some bad, a lot of bad in that one. You know, it's this kind of mixed thing. Jesus' relationship with these kind of rulers is, or these soldiers is complicated, too. You find an example early on in Luke where uh, this guy needs healing for his servant. And he's like, Jesus is like, well, he's not a Jewish man. He's not, a, he's not an Israelite. He's like, can, you know, but you're healing people. Can you come heal my, you know, my guy? And he's like, yeah, I'll come. And Jesus is like, look, look, I'm like, I'm a soldier. You don't need to be coming near me. You know, I'm, I've killed some people. But also, I'm a soldier. Like, I get how this works. I tell people to do stuff. They do it. Other people above me tell me to do it. I do it. You're in charge. Tell them, you know, just tell them from here, and it'll get better. And he does. And Jesus is like, gosh, this guy's got more faith than anybody I've seen. You see, so there's this kind of complicated relationship. But right now, these guys are saying, prove it to me. You know, be tough like I think you should be. Do things the way I think you should do them, then I'll believe you. Well, we're going to move on to the third category. It's the first thief. So now you've got Jesus is hanging on a cross dying. There's two other crosses at the same time. Because crosses, th- like this is an example here. It's probably smaller than f- like full size. But this is a horrible way to kill somebody. And they would do this a lot, the Roman people would, to scare people. They'd go like, if you do bad things, this is what happens to you. And it was very public and it was very humiliating. What was different about Jesus, as you see, is that Jesus didn't do anything wrong. You know, but sometimes bad people, like back now they go to, you know, prison or whatever. Back then they would just, you know, kill them in a public way. Like, you know, when you do bad things, this is what happens to you. And so it scared people from doing bad things. So there's two other people, you know, and so they're taking Jesus out. They're like, let's get these other two guys out there, too. So there's two other people and they're hanging there with Jesus. And one of them is saying another conditional thing to Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And what we kind of paraphrase this into is, I'll have faith in you for what it, what it benefits me. Or maybe, I'll have faith in you if you get me out of this mess, you know. Maybe you see a little bit of the same thing, like, come on, dude, like, prove it. Like, get us out of this, you know. But again, get us out of this in the way that I'm already thinking. Like, I know what get us out of, get me out of my mess the way I want to be gotten out of my mess, which means ends this whole thing, you see. Doesn't matter if I deserve it. I do deserve it. I did bad stuff. I, I did bad stuff. I made a mess out of my life. I've made a mess. I'm in a mess. And God, if you are God, you'll get me out of it. And that means that this. You see? That is conditional faith. And this guy has conditional faith in Jesus. And finally, we get to what the good example is, which is the second thief, where he says, whoa, dude, calm down. Like, don't you, he rebukes him, it says. And it says, don't you fear God? And he goes, and he said, you're you're getting what you deserve, my friend, you know. And then he says the only non-conditional statement to Jesus. It's really a request, which Jesus could say no to. (laughs) All these other ones are demands. You better do this. You better prove it to me. You better do what I want. You better do it my way. Then I'll believe in you, this kind of thing. And this, finally, this guy lays out one thing before Jesus. He says, hey, would you please remember me? It's a request. Now, 
What does remember me mean? I would argue it means whatever Jesus decides it means. That's what it sounds like to have total faith in Jesus. And the only person in this whole story that has total faith in Jesus is the person who says, Jesus, please remember me. It's more like being a friend, but it's also like kneeling before a king is saying, like, I'm, I'm, I want to side with you. And it's kind of like what you say in the Lord's Prayer, which we'll close with, is thy will be done. Because Jesus could say, yeah, I'll remember you, you know, and you're going to get, you know, like, but he totally, he surrendered to it. He surrendered to whatever it is that Jesus decides is appropriate. And then Jesus responds. This is why I say it's so awesome about Jesus, because he is as all-powerful as he could be. He is God. He can do whatever he wants, and he chooses to do awesome things all the time. He says, you and I, we're going to be together in paradise today. He could have said, that's right, I'll remember you. You're going to the worst place, and da-da-da, because who knows what this guy did? It wasn't good. You see what I'm saying? Like, even back then, they weren't killing a whole lot. I mean, they kill people for doing bad things. You see what I'm saying? So he might have done some seriously bad stuff. Like, if you and I knew this guy, we might be like, I'm really bothered that Jesus was so nice to that. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> but he's the only one who gets what's going on. And we can put that kind of faith in Jesus because Jesus is the one who says this kind of stuff back. He's like, God, look, I have screwed this whole thing up, but just please remember me. And he's like, you got it. You finally got it. So what am I, what am I trying to say about this? You know, because these, these things are, they're eternal. Um, this is about eternal salvation. But it's also just about understanding what a king is, who a king is, and what a king does, and how Jesus is a king. And if you're reading our book with us, it's about Jesus as the king and the kingdom. The kingdom of God is what Jesus is preaching about. The kingdom of God is what he's inviting us to be a part of. The kingdom of God is what Jesus is returning to establish in an eternal way, which we get to be a part of now in all of the power and the love and the, the strength that comes with that. What limits us from being a part of it is our partial faith. And guys, I struggle with this just like everybody else. But faith that is, faith in Jesus is total or it doesn't work. And so I have an example I want to show. How many of you kids are into slime right now? I want an honest show of hands. Were you into slime? Okay, it's coming up. If you're a parent of small children, you know a lot about slime. And slime apparently sticks to nothing, which is a lie. But I had Anna help me make some slime today because I'm going to use this as an illustration. It's a simple illustration. And don't push it too far, guys. It's a metaphor, but it'll, it, it's interesting. It's a little bit nerdy because I'm a little bit of a nerd. But what we have here is a very specific type of slime. And the term it's called is oobleck. Does everybody know? Does anyone know what that is? So what this is is it's a fluid that's made out of a suspension of cornstarch in, uh, in water. And I was like, what the heck? I, I'm familiar with this substance, but my daughters kept calling it oobleck. And I was like, where is this from? It's actually from a Dr. Seuss book. I don't know why, but whatever. <laughs> but what this is, what makes this interesting is it's called a non-Newtonian fluid, which means its viscosity changes um, under different conditions, which, like, water doesn't. It's just water, you know. You're paddling in water, faster or slower, it doesn't matter, you know. 
But this stuff is weird because it's liquid. Like, I can put my fingers in it, and, so, and you see, it's thicker than it's thicker than water, but it's still a liquid. And it it runs everywhere. I can pour it out. We poured it out this morning, but if I press on it hard, I could walk on it. It acts like a solid when you press on it. And if if we had enough, and I don't, and I'm not going to, you could fill this tub up <laughs> with cornstarch. But I could have thought of that. I could have gone to, I know, of all the weeks to be doing this, I didn't think about, I mean, Jason could have been stirring up a, a, a tub of this the whole time. That would have been great. You can literally walk on this. This is not how Jesus walked on water, by the way. Well, at least not how I think he did. But my point is, um, when we talk about conditional faith in Jesus, you know, this is liquid, guys. Like, look, I mean, you see what I'm saying? And you can take it, and if you want to dabble in conditional faith in Jesus, you can, this moving your hand through, it's like moving it through milk. You know, it is literally, my brother's watching us, and he just texted me that I'm a nerd. <laughs> Whatever. I accept that. Anyway, you can move your finger, you know, you can dabble in this stuff all day, and you're sitting there going, this faith doesn't work. This can't do anything. This can't hold any, any weight at all. Look, it's just like sticking, you know, you know, God, I mean, I'll try this out. This whole, you know, Jesus, if you're God, you'll do what I want. What? None of this is working. I can just shove my finger straight through it. But the moment you put your faith in it, you could walk across this tub or across a swimming pool. You can find videos online of people doing this. I can hit it as hard as I want, you know. And again, it's a metaphor. There's probably a limit to how much weight you can put on that. But the point is, um, it's like our faith in Jesus, that if we dabble in it, it's just liquid and you're going to sink. But if you put your full weight into it, it holds you up. So I want to end with the Lord's Prayer. You guys come on up and let's sing a song at the end of this. We were talking at the beginning today that it's a little weird. We, we usually... we. Traditionally, we've closed kind of with an altar call if you want to come and respond, you know, and during COVID, that whole thing seems a little weird that, you know, I don't know, if I want, you know, so just know that, uh, you know, sometimes we need a time to think, time to respond, time for God to do things in us, sometimes for us to repent, you know, frankly, I need to repent for having conditional faith in Jesus yesterday, okay, so I'm going to spend time praying about that up here and invite you if you want to come pray at the altar that's fine if you want to stay where you're seated and pray that's fine too but I would say this don't just stay in your seat because I said that and now it's public belief way sort of it's cool for you to do what you know okay cool you know let God really deal with you there's a time when when someone presents the story of Jesus as king or like even John the Baptist who's doing it before Jesus is fully into the ministry that he's going to become in. The response is to repent and be baptized. And this is a symbol of baptism. We just baptize some believers. But our repentance is a turning from what we're doing. And often that needs to have a physical accompaniment like baptism does, you know, which would mean I need to come and lay this here, you know, which is symbolic, you know, so if you found yourself, as I was describing, as a ruler, a religious ruler, or a soldier, or the first thief in a messed up situation, and you want to 
to repent or apologize to God for that kind of thing, come forward and do it. No, but I'm doing it. No one's going to judge you. And if they do, who cares? It really doesn't matter what other people think as much as we think it does. And Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts. And I want to close with the prayer. When your disciples asked you how to pray, you responded with this instruction, which I think is summarized in the faith of remember me. You said this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. But Lord, thy will be done in our lives. And your kingdom come in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So come forward if you need to. If not, pray where you are or sing along with Caleb.